0: Here's a place where all of us can be safe. Our stories of transformation can be safe, and all the things we want to research are safe here. This is Safe Space with Cheyenne. I'm really excited you're here, and I hope you stick around for a while, because I've got a lot to show you before I leave Earth. I love you guys. All right, well, welcome back into all my Safe Space friends. Today, I have Patricia Corey with me. She's an internationally acclaimed author of um, a whole conscious line of books. She does have one novel, but she has so many other books. You have to check out her YouTube channel. I'll definitely link it below. The one today that's gonna be on the docket is called Hacking the God Code, The Conspiracy to to Steal the Human Soul. Um, Today, she's come on to talk to me, not only about the book that she just published last October, but also her work over the last 25 years. I just got introduced to her work not too long ago, so I wish that I could go down a huge rabbit hole right before I even bring her on but she's gonna do it for us she has a couple other books there's the cosmos of the soul Atlantis rising and no more secrets just to name a little bit of what she's got she's got uh, I believe 13 novels now out well 13 books I should say in one novel Um, but she's come on today to uh, share a little bit of her gift with us so thank you so much for coming on Patricia
1: It's a pleasure, Cheyenne. It's really good to meet you, too.
0: Yes, yes. Good energy all around. So, starting off, you've been doing this for over 25 years, right?
1: Well, way, way longer than that. Yeah. But I I started channeling books. Mm -hmm. It was about 25 years ago, yeah. Before that, I was doing, I was a healer. I, I had my own spirit center in Rome, Italy, where I lived for 30 years. It was called Lightworks. It was the first metaphysical or New Age center to appear in Rome in a heavily Catholic environment, and uh, was very successful, actually. So, yeah, my whole life has been dedicated to this work, but it's been about 25 years since I brought in the first book called The Cosmos of Soul, and then it was almost like a book after book after book. And I'm still at it, as you know, 13 or 14 books. I've lost count. <laughs>
0: yes. I think it's great that you've published so many books that you've lost count. I, I want to be like that one day where I'm like, I don't know how many books I have out there. Go to my website.
1: <laughs> no, it, one of the reasons is because not, you know, there's a couple of things that weren't officially published but still are books. Mm-hmm. So I, I think the, officially, the count of the officially published ones is 13. So good number.
0: I'm definitely a fan. I can't wait to get through all of them. I definitely just started hacking the God Code, which is absolutely right up, right up my alley. It makes total sense to me. Um, I haven't got around anybody that I'm able to discuss it with that maybe they're not on the same frequency of understanding how um, our DNA is kind of being not only educated against us, but used against us. So to find a book that really encapsulates all of that and the modern day stuff of what's going on, Uh, I'm very excited to get on. Is this also, would you consider this like a channeled book with the Syrian high council?
1: No, this is not a channeled book. This is me talking from my gut. Good, good. It's a different vibe. I mean, the Syrian material is very lovely. It's, It's beautiful messages for humankind. Lots of galactic prophetic information. But this one is just, I realized, okay, I have to talk about this. Yeah. And knowing that it was sort of risky to be talking about the New World Order, not that I haven't talked about it before, Mm -hmm. but uh, things that are being put in place in our civilization and what we need to do about it. And uh, I was going to do it anyway. So, boom, out came the book.
0: Well, I love that you said that because when I was reading over – everything that was in the book and just basically every system that you were calling out. There are so many people that they actually do feel this way, whether they have any idea of what to actually do about taking their power back. But the fact that you're like, I'm just going to talk about this and... This is the shit that gets people killed, let's be honest. But I'm going to talk about it. This is the truth, okay? We're going to do it. Because um, I was sitting there yeah. reading it, and I'm You know, like, Trayton,
1: oh. I have to tell you that we're all doing our part. I mean, you with your program, me with what I'm doing, lots of people are stepping into the power zone. And mm-hmm. we need the light aids to be fearless because, yeah, they can take us out. They can't take everybody out, but they can certainly take the ones out with the loudest voices. And so my concern, I mean, it did take a minute of reflection, because as I was writing the book, every so often I'd go, "Yeah, ouch. Well,
0: and even the the passion behind it, too. You're like, people need to know.
1: Yeah. And it's always been my mission, and and I have a very strong fan base who count on me to do that, to to speak fearlessly, unedited, as far as I can get past the censors, because I do edit. Words and I use abbreviations where possible. But we're all doing that, but uh, the bottom line is this book is a punch in the gut to the powers that shouldn't be, and it's a you know staring down the beast kind of energy, which is what I do very well.
0: Yeah, the when I was reading just the overview of it, like I remember the hand or the hair on my arms were like standing up because I. I didn't even know that a novel like this existed for one, especially with everything put together in one. Like usually I think um, some people have like sporadic subjects that they talk about, but I loved how everything was in one one book. And I'm like, these are all things that I think about separately. Like I'm like, oh, that's made up. Yep, that's false. That's a facade. That's a trap. Uh Uh-huh. That's lowering our vibration. Like, mm, that's jacking with our frequencies. That's shutting off our God source, like all these things put in place, and you just called it all out in one, and then we're nice enough to put it in one book for us. So I much appreciation. I much much appreciated. I'm getting all tongue tied over here um, of the consolidation of information as well. Um, backing Thank up you. to when you first started channeling. To you, what does channeling feel like for you? Because I also channel, I definitely don't channel novels. I, I usually do it in the work that I have with clients. But for you, what does it feel like for you when you're channeling?
1: Okay, well, I want to um, just specify that these are not novels. They're books.
0: Yes, they're so books. I'm sorry. I keep saying say novels. novels right. but
1: they're not novels because novels are fiction uh, yeah. stories, and these are a flow of consciousness works. So um, there's that. And how it feels. Um, when it began, I, I'm, I've been a clairvoyant all my life. I've been a very psychic person to, from childhood. Didn't have to learn it. Didn't have to have a breakthrough. It was just my uh, gift to life. And in fact, growing up, I didn't realize that a lot of people didn't see the things I saw. It came as a big shock to me. I don't remember the age of when somebody said to me, what are you talking about, psychic pain? It was my mother. She said, what are you talking about, psychic pain? And I was flabbergasted. I was like, what do you mean, what do I mean? She said, you keep using this term. I said, I mean it when I see somebody in pain, the pain goes through my body. And she said, and I, I said, our bodies. And my mom said, no, I don't feel that. I couldn't believe it because it was part of my reality from childhood. So, but when when I started channeling the book, so let me back up even further. I, as a child, I had contact from beings that identified themselves as little blue, the little blues, and they were little Tinkerbell type characters. They used to come and nest wherever I was out in the garden because I spent a lot of time in nature, still do. And they would nest around me and they would talk to me about the most galactic stuff which back in the 50s when I was a young child nobody was talking this language I mean now if a kid is talking about galactic information I wouldn't you know it wouldn't be so surprising because of the so much information available but then you yeah, know there weren't even those there were hardly any metaphysical books out and so my mom said that I was she said you know you were a special kid and I, I, one day at four years old, I went into the kitchen. <laughs> Anybody that's already seen me interviewed is going to go, she's not going to talk about the kitchen again, but it's important. Um, I ran into the house. My mom was cooking and she said she had a, a pot of spaghetti sauce in her hand. And I said, mom, I think there's something you need to know. And she was busy, you know, Harry and mother. She said, what's that, honey? I said, I'm not from this universe. <laughs> and she told me later she almost dropped the pan of songs And she said, where, where, "Where are you from?" I said, "I'm from a parallel universe." But you're not ready to really understand that yet, so I'll get back to you. And okay. out I went to talk to my little blue people. So uh, yeah, I had contact back then, and I, I I know I knew later on that that was the Syrians appearing to me in a way that I wouldn't be frightened. As a child, wouldn't be frightened. Mm-hmm. Uh, So, in 1996, I went into my first crop circle in the England England countryside, and there I had the out-of-body galactic experience of all time and space, and when I was taken out of my body, I encountered this committee of conscious beings on another dimension, the sixth dimension. They identified themselves as the Syrian High Council, and they said, there's some things we want you to see, and I... I mean, you know, this had to be like LSD on steroids. I was traveling the galaxy, the beyond the universe, beyond physical reality. I was on the uh, light strings, which I talk about in the book, actually. I don't know if you, if you read that chapter. I haven't I was t- yeah Oh, you're going to love it. I uh, was traveling on the DNA of the universe. And it was like a web, a string of geometric design. And every step I took, it vibrated the entire universe, if you can try to dig that. And I saw myself like a spider in a spider web. How my movement at any point in the galactic structure affected every other point in the galactic universe. And so it was just like uh, understanding the, the DNA of the universe, because... All of my work with the Syrians and my own life work is about DNA. It's about that we are actually 12-stranded beings. We have 12 strands of DNA, not two. And healing it and activating it and understanding the divine blueprint that is our architecture as beings. So that's when things really kicked in big time. And when I got back from England, I started downloading these messages. And at first it was a little bit annoying to me because, which is what I'm trying to get to here. I'm sorry if I'm long-winded. I don't like mediumship. not particularly interested in my own skills as a psychic. I really didn't, I was never drawn to mediumship. So the idea of automatic writing, it didn't appeal to, to me very much. But there I was every morning at four in the morning on the computer. And it is, for me, The best way to describe this is not that a voice is speaking to me, but that my consciousness is reaching a level and something else is coming down trying to reach my level. And there's a frequency zone where it would be like somebody trying to talk into a staticky radio, going, we're trying to tell you. And that these two levels of consciousness try to find that point of connection and when it does happen which isn't always then messages start to come through utilizing my consciousness and their consciousness in a zone that I call the love zone and magic happens
0: the love zone no that's great I have the same definition of channeling as far as what it feels like when it like moves through my head is one feeling But, like, the science behind it, like, if someone was like, how do you know that? I would just be like, it's a frequency that I am vibrating on, and I am vibrating higher to get to it, and something is coming down, and we're just syncing up. And, I mean, I just say that in even human connections. It doesn't have to be anything um, in a higher density. It's just, like, even there's some people that you have a good frequency with and there's other people who kind of like bounce off of each other and you're like, I'm okay, I'm not going to try to tune into you, it's all right, like, I'm not for everyone, it's okay.
1: Oh, so true, yeah. There's yeah. just, some people are just energetically repelling. you know? Yeah. Just, beep, beep, no thanks.
0: Yeah. But
1: Let's... when you're channeling higher beings, and of course there's also the issue of people that are not channeling higher beings but they're channeling the lower astral. Yes, And the confusion right now is a lot of people are declaring themselves channels. And so I, I try to assist people, especially when I'm, you know, I've taught courses on channeling, uh, what it means to protect yourself and create that dynamic space so that nothing but the highest energy and the highest intention can come in. That's a big part of my work because those lower astral critters are very eager to come on in and stroke your ego and tell you what an amazing channel you are, and then they're in. So uh, it's very yeah. important for people to understand the and dynamic they'll there. they also
0: try to act like they're higher beings, so there's a lot of things that you can do to make sure you're calling in the right people, keeping you know your channel open. For me, it's always auditing my crown chakra, even if it's just grabbing my pendulum and being like, what's going on up here? uh uh-uh. we're not allowed to see anything if this isn't open up here. Because I've had moments where this thing will just be, like, shooting right open. Like, I'll be seeing a bunch of stuff, but my crown doesn't feel open. So if my crown's not open, I really won't. I'm like, nope, shut it down, sorry. Crown's got to be open, guide's got to do their work. I'm not going to sit here and figure out if you're good or bad in my head right now. Um, I have a lot of, like, the audience in my right ear that usually comes through, and I still definitely... I feel like more of a beginner, but I still like humility-wise, like feeling like a beginner so I can protect myself more and learn how to protect myself more, if that makes sense. Um, Well,
1: humility is the ultimate protection because it comes in, this stuff comes in on the ego. So when I look at people's energy fields, people with gigantic egos always, always have a fissure in the energy field. And I'm going, oh, there you go. So that's how they get in. And they you know, these lower entities, they, they stroke the ego. The ego is the frequency of the ego is what they is how they get in. And so they tell these people, you know, they're amazing, they're the, the only good the only, the top, the best, the, the master. All this ego stroking. And uh, I always start by declaring that I'm a humble student of the universe. And um, then I call in protection, I create a shield around me before I do anything resembling healing work, favorite readings, meditation, anything. I first create sacred space around me. So, so that's a good, good thing. You
0: you and me both. I'm definitely not one of those people that's like, oh, I can't be infiltrated. (laughs) I'm like, no, it's possible. Do your work. Do your work, please.
1: So important. It really is. And I learned that early on because I used to do crystal healing back in the um, in my healing center in Rome called Lightworks and the first time I ever did a, he- a crystal healing professionally I started moving the crystals around and I wasn't 100% I was awkward because it was my first mm-hmm. uh, official paid uh, healing you know I wanted to do a good job for this woman and within minutes um, I there was something being released really blocked Really blocked energy. And all of a sudden this thing popped out. I call it the squiggle. And she kept saying, oh, God, oh, God. And I said, do you want me to stop? And she's like, no, no, go ahead. Oh, it's, it hurts. And then finally out comes this black squiggle. And I watch it go straight. Right through the ceiling into the apartment above was so green you know I just stood there and when I looked at my crystal I don't know if you know Google cut crystals but they're extremely expensive they've got very very extreme points because they're, they're used as laser wands and they're carved by psychics okay so sh- she had a reaction like oh god oh thank you god and I was standing there going where did I send that?
0: yeah where did it go
1: You know, I didn't do my homework, create sacred shield. Mm -hmm. And so I am responsible for whatever that was going through the ceiling to wherever it went. And it was like a crash course in what, how to prepare, how to create sacred space, boundaries, etc. I learned the first time out and uh, it's so important. Direct and whether that's you know protecting a room or protecting a space between two people here and here, mm-hmm. or whether it's just you in your your work as as in whatever capacity, it is so important. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, that I'm glad hasn't happened to me, thank goodness. But that was one of the reasons when I started working on more people outside of my family and like my friend circle that I'm like I feel confident when I'm with them that I can set the space, hold the container, let them pour out whatever they need to pour out and I can disperse it properly back to Mother Earth because that's my big thing is always like alchemy and transmutation of it back down into the ground and then Mother Earth takes it back and makes it, you know, back to the source so to speak. Um, but when I, I did realize when I switched over to working with people that maybe like they just met me from a friend, from a friend, and this is the first time I'm actually getting in their energy. I'm like, okay, let's make sure I actually know how to ground this stuff. Cause I have no idea what I'm going to pull out of this person. And I would like, you know, get all my crystals around and whatever other ritual sages and stuff that I needed. And, um. I don't know, it's kind of like stage fright for the first time, and nothing black like that popped out for me, but I would I would feel the same way as you. I'm like, oh no, I'm such a greenhorn right now, and I'm just seeing it as this thing's floating through my ceiling.
1: And another thing is that the tip of the crystal popped off. This crystal in 1994 cost me $800. Okay? I mean, they're Vogel clip crystals. They're very hard to get your hands on. They're very, very expensive, right? And so here I am with my new Vogel crystal. I'm all happy and just getting into it. And then, ah, this thing comes out. And then I look down at the crystal, and the top is gone.
0: Oh, my gosh.
1: This thing popped the crystal off. You get it? I mean, I didn't drop it. It just, the frequency of that... <laughs> top off of this... crystal it had to be recut another 400 dollars later right so i uh i was like okay so i now know about creating sacred space i guess that's a tough way to learn but there you go there's a
0: difference in definitely just like Like hearing it. it and embodying it and i think that just goes like i remember just starting a yoga practice when they're like okay touch your heart space feel into your body feel into this and you're just like I don't even know how to feel into my body. Like, this is so weird trying to get into this. And then when, you know, it obviously becomes you and you embody it, um, you feel it, you sense it, it really does become a part of you. But for the beginners listening, um, which is why I really like anytime I have a channel or or anybody with open, clear senses, I love for them to talk about how they experience it because we really all do experience hooking into Source completely different Um, The interpretations are probably my favorite part. Um, One of my other curiosities about you is how you got the inspiration to write Atlantis Rising.
1: Oh, boy. So I'm an old Atlantean. I have some vivid memories, not just dreams, of lifetimes in Atlantis. And I've been fixated on Atlantis most of my adult life. Um, it is a channeled book, so I see, the thing about the books that are channeled is the Syrians come in. I believe that they pull from my experience my karmic, uh, I don't want to call it baggage because that's got a negative connotation. So it's Did my you karmic, talk about sac-
0: your Akashic? like your Akashic records. Would that be it, accurate?
1: Yeah, and they pull from that, and then they, you know, I, I never knew what the title of a book would be. I never knew, which was so exciting because now that I'm writing my own book, it's like, oh, I'm really going to do a different work here. But in the case of the channel books, I didn't have to think. It was the, the use of my ability with language definitely was involved in the process. But it was like the the title of the okay. So here's how it went: the first book, The Cosmos of Soul. I woke up one as soon as I came back from the crop circle and it just started bing, every morning, four o'clock. And then uh, somewhere in the middle of the cruise, it would just go. And I'd be in the middle of it going, we're done. Are we done here? (laughs) And then the next day it would be right back up. Try to imagine this. So you've got in the middle of a sentence and it's over and you're like, okay. And then I would sometimes try to finish the sentence and it sounded ridiculous. So I just stop. And then the next morning it would be right back to where that was and pick up again. And so after that process of the cosmos of soul, I had a 24 hour period or 48 hours. I don't remember. And then I wake up four o'clock ding, goes the bell. And I hear the title of the next book is, I'm like, could I have a break here? I mean, the title of the next book is? And it was like, bam, Atlantis Rising, The Struggle of Darkness and Light. And off it went again. And so this was a very exciting process because I, I just turned out these books. And like I said, it pulled a lot from my experience. And, but, you know, it's coming from a higher source. So, as far as how was I motivated, uh, I was just in service, welcoming the energy, and having my own collection of information that I'd gleaned over the lifetimes, and some things that i gleaned from research. And you know what's really funny? That's not funny. What's destiny is? I'm now living in the Azores, and it is... Atlantis, the people here, the elders here know that the Azores Islands are mountain tops or peak twins from the continent of Atlantis so I've returned to Atlantis in this lifetime and I always say from Atlantis I began this Earth journey and to Atlantis I have returned to complete it because I'm convinced I, maybe it's wishful thinking that I'm done with Earth incarnations in this lifetime
0: I I say it often, and I apologize for saying it if it sounds out of an ego when I say it, but I tell my friends that I meditate and talk to every day often. I'm like, there's no way I have to come back here, right? Like, I mean, I understand karma. I understand the things that I did, and I repented, so to speak, um, but I... Okay, so I'm about to tree branch, I can already tell. There is a show on Gaia, and it's called Galactic Messages, where they talk to the Taegettons out of the Pleiadian star system. There's a bunch of them in the Pleiadians, so they don't say they're Pleiades, they're Taigetons from the star system. And they were explaining how karma has been um, rewritten um, to work against us So, they're like, yes, um, if you do something, it sends out, like, that negative vibration. You do have to, like, it's kind of a boomerang. You send out, it'll come back, and you need to make it right. But in order to make it right, you have to understand what you did. You have to forgive yourself, and then moving on, you don't do that again. So, yeah, I'm not saying if, like, I killed someone in this life that I don't automatically have to come back and figure it out in another lifetime, but there's a lot of karma that people in the human race are holding on to because they either um, do it from a religious standpoint and then go continue to do it and then just, you know, it's some weird cycle they're putting themselves in. Um, So I, from a very humble and humility standpoint, have been like, guys, there's no way we're coming back, right? Like, we're doing the right things now we have the rest of our life to dedicate to the good and to the light work and you know serving servicing humanity so to speak I'm like but I barely made it through my 20s so like let's talk about what other dimensions I can go float around on or maybe I can go just make sacred geometry and the eight or twelve for a while like I don't want to act very cocky when I say, this is my last incarnation, but I really do feel that this is my last earthly incarnation, and I sleep I well
1: at night knowing that. there's this. ego attached to that. I think there's a sense of, a deep sense of knowing. First of all, uh, I, I would like to submit that Earth is probably one of the greatest universities, spiritual universities, in the galaxy. So... When people say what you're talking about, Earth is a prison. Earth is this and that, that, that. Earth is an extraordinary opportunity to take a giant leap in your spirit, on your spiritual path because it is a great and higher education. It's a university for your spirit, for your soul to confront itself. And if you learn in this lifetime. Not that you've, you've made good or bad karma, because you didn't mention good karma, right? But well, not that there. you have to pay for your karma, not that you have to, that karma can, I, I mean, what you said doesn't exactly resonate with me. I believe that the idea of karma is this beautiful measure from which you can direct yourself to what you perceive as good or bad or right or wrong or ethical and moral um, by not thinking if i do this i'm going to create bad karma but just recognizing that you are in the end the master of your destiny even if you perceive of a higher being which of course i do beyond your own being because you are a creature of, of you are a creature let's say of god i i like to refer to god as prime creator still you have a framework where you are, like people say, well, let's just hope the universe handles it. And I always say, well, let's give the universe some help because we are free will individuals still and we came here to exercise that capacity to choose between the poles, the polar realities of good, bad, light, dark, etc. So if you're just going to sit back and say, well, let's wait for the universe to handle it. You're in passive mode and I don't understand what you're doing here. Right? So, um, and so I, when I say I'm done with this reality, I'd like to think I'm done with this reality. It's not an ego, and I don't think yours is either. It's just I really believe I've got this lesson, which is um, I don't blame any outer thing for what is happening inside of me in my world I take responsibility for everything that is around me that's happening in my perception of life my creation of the world my inner world my immediate world and I don't take responsibility for the evil that's out there but I do take responsibility for how I interact with it how I stare it down how I stand in my power and my light and for me that is a huge win in the university of hard knocks and then the other thing is recognizing that you are an immortal being this is my biggest thing recognizing that you go around and around as long as you f- you need to and i do i do f- tend to agree with the buddhist path which is you know, you go around, you, you, you reincarnate with people that are important, the souls that are teaching you, and sometimes that's a hard lesson. Sometimes it's a... I'd love to reincarnate with my mother. Oh, my God. Right? But that um, at a certain point, you know you're ready to leap off the, wo- the wheel. And the basic reason, the ultimate reason, is because you finally understand that you're just passing through this tomb this little I call it the tube of life. You know, you you squeeze through the birth canal from this expanse of being soul, spirit. You squeeze in this tight canal and into this tight density of 3D, which is becoming 4D, and you squeeze through life with all of the drama that involves it, is involved in it. And if you're lucky or if you're more than lucky, if you're, if you're successful, you recognize along the way that, wait a minute, wait a minute, I'm just going to go back out of this thing and back to light, back to spirit. This little tune really doesn't matter that much. Why am I getting my knickers in a twist? And, you know... I work with a lot of people. I've been a teacher, a spiritual counselor, and many other functions. And the greatest gift that I think I can impart to anyone is don't take it too seriously. It's only life. Whether they blow the planet up tomorrow or whether you live to be 90, it doesn't really matter. It's such a short, finite space. And what does matter is what is beyond and how your soul is evolving and taking those magnificent leaps to shoot you up the spiral back to source.
0: I couldn't have said it better ever. I'll probably replay this back when I just need to have, like, my warrior moment come back online. Um, mm, Where do I even go from there? Okay, so you have... um, a dream background in being a healer and serving humanity, whether it was from crystal, crystal healing, energy work, spiritual teaching, um, running the place in Rome that you talked about. Um, how did you get so passionate about then coming to write things down? Did you feel like this was just another level in your evolution and part of your responsibility of leaving stuff behind for humanity?
1: no it was because i started channeling i was got i was called wakey wakey you know the first few pages of cosmos of soul i was in a trance and then the next day i wasn't in a trance i was aware of it and so i it wasn't a conscious decision Mm -hmm. to to become a writer at all and you know one two three four i finally in fact in the middle of cosmos of soul i went wait a minute is this supposed to be a book? because I was teaching courses. I was, you know, the, the center was very uh, busy.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I'm, I'm like, this is supposed to be a book. Just keep writing. So, oh my God, a book? Because I was so busy. And then it was another book and another book. And I just kind of, you know, yielded to where I was being taken. And the council, when I said, is this supposed to be a book? I don't even know anything about publishing a book. And of course, in those days, there wasn't, um, Sorry, I keep getting my hair in my eyes. There wasn't uh, Kindle Publishing and KDP and all these options for self-publishing. I was like, I don't think about getting a a, a book published. And the voice rang through the ethers. We will open the doors. You just need to know when to walk through. Mm. When I finished The Cosmos of Soul, I sent the manuscript out to three publishers. Try to believe this knowing I mean having been told people said to me oh Patricia it's so hard to get published negative 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 and I said I just need to know what to walk through and I sent it to three publishers the first publisher to contact me was the one who published me which was Gateway Books in England and he wrote to me and he said your book I have been waiting for your book it's an answer to a dream I want to sign you to a contract and then we started to talk and then I got a, another message that said, we absolutely love what you've read and we'd like to set up a, a telephone call. And the third one said, please get back in touch with us. So three out of three publishers got in touch with me within a matter of weeks and without an agent, nothing I got published in two weeks. I mean, obviously I would not, the book wasn't out in two weeks, but I signed the deal. I flew to England because I was living in Italy and, uh, was taken out to dinner by this wonderful man, Alec Bartholomew, and signed the contract like that. So I, I, I'm also very blessed. I've had a wonderful life. I have miraculous things. I have good karma. Not that I haven't suffered because we all have our tragedies, but I have good karma, especially on my spiritual path. So lots of magical things happen. And certainly that was one, hearing the voice say, we'll open the doors, you just need to know when to walk through. And I went, oh. And, you know, the title of the book was Gateway, Doorway, right? The title of the publisher, sorry. So that's how I got into it. And it was a natural progression for me teaching spiritual things and workshops and, and whatever. But it soon overtook me to the point that I had to close the center. It was just, I had too much work. So that's my history. And here I am, what, 23, four years later, still still writing, still producing material.
0: Yes, and then now you've actually reached down to the pit of your gut and given us this <laughs> gym. So um, before you started writing this, um, obviously you are supremely passionate about letting people know what's really going on. Um, but since you like the bulk of your work was channeled, um, what was the feeling of writing different when it was coming from your own consciousness?
1: Oh boy, that's a great question. Um, for starters, I had to identify what I thought was the most important thing to do, to share at this time, and then I had to overcome any sense of doubt or fear that speaking from my guts would put me in danger because it's a very real concern. And then when I realized it would put me in danger, I had to say, do it anyway. And so then when I got through that process, I just started to, I started with a a conversation about standing in your truth no matter what, the importance of the light forces on the planet uniting at last, really, really uniting and knowing that we are in Armageddon. We, have, we are absolutely in a spiritual war now and there's no more time. There's really no time for hanging out, talking about, you know, unicorns and um, angels. We've got to get into the grit if we're going to change things, so there's a you know there's a, there's a lot of people who don't want to do that. They want to just stay in fairyland, and I, I don't mean to be offensive to anyone, but I don't think that's energy is, is particularly effective. It's lovely, and it's very good for one's self to to stay in that place where I don't want to think of anything else except you know love and light. But the reality is, there's a war on this planet. It's getting tougher and stronger, and the dark side is going for broke. So we need more light workers to go for broke back and get out of that, perhaps. I mean, I'm not telling anybody how to live their life, but perhaps redirect some of that love and light energy to love and light and power and strength and clarity. You see how I raise my voice when I do that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> And so that was how I started out the book. It's just like, it's time to, to recognize, this is Armageddon, what are we going to do about it? What are we going to do about it? And what am I going to do about it? So here is my, in fact, I think you, you may recall, I, at the end of the introduction, I said, this is my declaration, of my personal declaration of independence. And I, I was talking about being free of Political correctness, being free of anybody's concern of being offended by anything I was saying because we're so self-monitoring for fear of offending someone. And that has been placed in our society deliberately to shut us up. I mean, if you really look at it, it's a, these guys are geniuses, these evil dudes, right? The architecture of, of the um, political correctness is brilliant, it's, it's evil genius. So that we will shut ourselves up. Nobody has to shut us up. They don't have to censor us much because everyone knows if they go here, oh, that's gonna offend this one, that's gonna offend this one, somebody's gonna attack me. And so my message is, say it anyway. We've gotta get out of this, we're gonna break free of this hand that we've put ourselves around, like, a, like corralling ourselves in this cage. And uh, speak our truth. So that's what motivated me to write the book. It's like, okay, time to speak my truth. And I'm going to spill my guts on everything I understand as the dark force intent upon destroying human beings, all living life forms, the planet, taking control, complete control of the planet, and uh, redirecting the human race into board creatures, cyborgs, mm-hmm. with this push to transhumanism and artificial intelligence, which is running rampant. And that's kind of what got me off and running.
0: So I've definitely seen um, advertisements, commercials, even, you know, real-life videos of people overseas that actually already have just, like, a phone implanted in their hand, their debit card implanted in their hand like they swipe into their building with their hand like implants all over them from these like tech companies and the way that they're selling it to people is it's just like look look how cool my phone's in my hand yeah i don't have to carry this bulky thing around anymore because i can just put it in your hand and look how convenient it is and it's the most terrifying thing that i've ever seen in my life That anything gets implanted in my body that could also make me turn into a telephone or a computer. And then it also baffles me that the same people that do not believe in frequency, energy, or vibration, like they just still think that science is woo-woo, are the same people that are falling for the technological advances of turning into some cyborgist human creepy computer crossbreed. Like, they're they're completely falling for it. They're the sheeple of the world, is what I think. Completely falling for it. And then they're going to all of their other friends and being like, look, you know, like, let's peer pressure everybody. Because you're right, the, the people that shouldn't be in power bringing all of this negativity down, they're really smart. Especially, like, you're talking about political correctness. I'm talking about... Um, introducing words into the, the water pool that mm-hmm. even infect our conversations to the point Absolutely. where um, you go, oh my gosh, You didn't you know that they two weeks ago we're not allowed to use that word anymore? They rebranded that word. If you don't use yes. this rebranded word, you're ignorant. Oh, you don't want to be ignorant. You better talk like all of us.
1: What they want to do is remove our humanity. So, when you hear that you're no longer supposed to use the word mother, you're supposed to use birthing parent. This is, and of course, then there's all the whole question of the gender. Yeah, of course. um, Mind effery. But what they want to do is remove humanity, remove our sense of being um, human. So, mother, which evokes... For most people who have had a decent mother, it invokes such a sense of, of belonging, a sense of, of contact, communication, love, trust, uh, especially for me, I had an extraordinary mother. Mm-hmm. And birthing parent evokes nothing except that would be computer language. Birthing parent number one, birthing parent number two, right? Uh, like almost like binary code, so that they they remove the emotional attachment that is in a language, And start to move the conscious mind over to language that is more like binary code. Mm -hmm. Because they want us to be emotionless, vacuous, robotic beings. And eventually, yes, take the chip. Neuralink wants to put an entire computer in your skull. Mm -hmm. I'm sure you've, you've heard about that, and I talk about it in the book. And eventually alter the DNA so that the DNA responds to a new messenger and messenger RNA. It's putting new information into the DNA. Mm -hmm. And this is one of the themes in in the book, important theme in the book. And so I refuse it. I'm gonna go down kicking and fighting. Mother is mother baby. And I you know I don't care how much you, you warp and mutilate language which is why I wrote that introduction which I think is very powerful I'm not going to yield to the mutilation of language which I adore I love I, English has is a very important to me and uh, my background is linguistics and our languages and I'm not going to start speaking like a robot because you are instructing society that this is the new talk so that you can strip out of us everything that is human mm-hmm. no and no, I'm not going to invent 87 gender pronouns. I know what a gender is. And uh, I don't want to get anybody's feathers in a ruffle here. But I, yeah. you know, I am I just watch this all and say, hopefully we'll pa- we'll move past this because this is mind-effery. You know what I mean by effery, right?
0: Well, I definitely still think, like, I consider it, I say 3D and 5D just to keep it on two subject lines. So a lot of the things that are being fought on earth right now, even though they are for the evolution and the suppression of the human race and human consciousness, um, I always like in my mind before I even... Put any type of emotion into the situation, I observe and I don't attach on a lot of things just because I am naturally a supremely passionate person. So I don't need to overexert my natural passion for things if it really is orchestrated against me, no matter what. So when it comes to anything divisive, um, I believe it's orchestrated division, you know, two wings of the same bird that are never going to fly together. So I kind of like eagle-eye the situation and I'm like, why is this division here? You know, we're all, we're all pretty smart. We know that divisive things don't really come together. And if division doesn't come together, then nothing can really be done. So there must be something at the top dividing everything, whether it's the war on language, whether it's the war on race, finances, poor, gender, all of these things. Um... They're divisive for a reason and it's distracting everybody from something that's even bigger. But if I'm mad at you that you don't want to call me my new pronoun and you're mad at me because of, you know, whatever we want to throw in the scenario, you and I are never going to be worked together as a team. Therefore, the guy in the higher realm laughing at us being so divisive is the one who's actually winning when you and I are standing on opposite ends, acting like we're supremely passionate about something and we're going to die on the cross for this.
1: Right. And the guy that you're talking about in the higher realms, but I, I know you don't mean higher realms, but higher yeah. position.
0: Higher position. Definitely it, not higher realms.
1: They're laughing all the you know, They're sitting in their boardrooms going, what? what should we throw at them now? Let's see. Yeah. Men can get pregnant. Let's do that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, world is flat. I mean, you know, whatever those things appear in society that people decide to go to battle for, mm-hmm. they're all planted there to keep us in division because that is... The plan from beyond Roman times. Divide and conquer. That's mm-hmm. the way you do it. Keep the plebeians distracted with BS while we orchestrate the complete takeover of everything. Yes. And they're sitting there, you know, fighting each other. The other day I saw a video. which It was a video of a New York street at night. And this guy was walking down the street with a camera, hidden camera. And in one city block, there were three brawls, three separate brawls going on. Maybe two city blocks, okay? And they were like on the, off the sidewalk. There were, there, were these three women. They were tearing each other's hair out and fighting over a man or whatever. And then finally, this dude comes in. He goes, "Hey, baby, you know, light up!" And I'm up. trying to pull these women apart. And then you know, the two feet down, there's another couple of guys uh, beating each other to death. And I was looking at it, going. Is this Sodom and Gomorrah or what? In two city blocks, you've got these outrageous behaviors. It's it's just um, it's shocking, and this is all being inculcated in our behavior. Pushing through the drugs, pushing through the hate, the racism, whatever. Just keep people on the edge where they can never unite because you'll invent something else. Today it's their gender, going to fight over that. Then it's the race. Then it's the What's the other one? Race, gender—you name it. I mean, there's so many yeah. things that are that are, people are fighting over. It, relationships are almost in the background. Back in the old days, uh, passion. Uh, what am I trying to say? Crimes of passion were usually a jealous, enraged partner. But that's sort of like passe. Now it's just like let's beat the shit out of someone for, for no reason. Well, let's do that. I was going
0: to say the um, programs like yours and programs like mine, I definitely think they, um, they're higher vibrational, whether they, we even have to get into the nitty-gritty of some, some, some subjects. But at the end of the day, like the intention behind the work is to serve humanity and make it better and be a brighter light. And there's a lot of content that gets... Ten times more views than I get, right? And yeah, it's absolute trash. Like, I think I got on Facebook the other day, and I don't. I hate the button of all the other videos of people I don't follow that just show up at like recommends stu- recommends stuff for me. And then I was like, I don't even understand why I recommend this girl. Just tried five different types of tequila out of five different colored straws. And that, like, it had, like, 500,000 comments and all this stuff. And I'm like, people are just absorbing trash all day long. They're completely desensitized to the shit they're actually programming in their brain. The people they follow on TikTok, like... They want to make sure not only if you think you're going to go in and do your work and find a subject, we're actually going to distract you with something that makes you dumber, turns your brain off and actually literally just fills your whole consciousness and your auric body and field with just bullshit. It keeps you at a lower vibrational state where you're actually easily infiltrated by other like fourth dimensional energies trying to kind of absorb onto you. If you have no idea that you need to protect an energy body, you're probably like eating a bunch of bullshit, have chronic diseases that you actually think are chronic diseases, and... I mean, you're probably following some false idol that doesn't even exist, you know? It's just, I believe in God. Prime creator, I think, is a great way. Spirit, source. Sophia, truly, whatever you want to call it, um, I do believe in the highest, highest creator that we have, but there's a lot of um, people following a creator that I think was made incorrectly and they're giving their energy to the wrong or in every capacity of life, they're outsourcing their lives so bad to the point where taking your power back just sounds exhausting because you outsource everything in your life, whether it's Going and getting your gas filled, putting it on a credit card, going to work, outsourcing all of your energy for not amount of money, coming back home, trying to figure out food, realizing you're not educated in the right food, which really sucks for a lot of people. Um, There's so many things that over time, they really have been taken away from us and they've been sold to us like it's a modern day convenience. And we're so lucky to have these. And now, if you look at everything now, even um, with like DoorDash coming into play, Instacart, we're like, hey, stay at home and just go, just makes, just make somebody else go buy all your shit for you. We'll just drop it off on your porch. And the thing that scares me most about that is. Um, the lack of human connection even though everybody wants human connection and i feel like the less you get around humans and the more we get behind these screens the less our compassion goes down which is i mean where our heart truly lies the most powerful thing on this universe is a human heart and the way that how palpable its energy is and when you can lead with a heart of compassion miracles actually do happen. I mean, good karma is one thing, but leading with gratitude and compassion are two of the biggest superpowers I've ever uh, come in contact with in my life. But I've noticed through a lot of this new conditioning, and again, this upheaval in technology and separation of humans, that um, a lot of people are losing their compassion, whether it's even me just going into a store, people not even making eye contact like they used to years ago or being as open with strangers or as trusting like there really is there's a turn of good that I can see but I can also see the damage that's finally been done that even I uh, about four years ago was still unconscious to so with you doing your work as long as you have and obviously being on earth longer than I have um did you? Was there a point where you were just waking up more to the suffering, like you could see it more and more the higher you went into your gifts and into a frequency that you were able to maintain?
1: Hmm, I have to reflect on that question. It's okay. It's uh, go I, let me one. first before I try to answer that question and say okay. that yes. On the other hand, I'm seeing more citizens starting to intervene in violent moments it's it's turning it's obviously the, the violence and the negative energy on, uh, on the streets and in restaurants whatever is is accelerating but more people are starting to intervene rather than turning the other eye I just saw a video where this guy went into a restaurant demanded that he gets gets free food and when the owner said no you need to leave he goes and knocks him out and uh, starts just beat. It turns tables over in the restaurant and a few of the uh, people seated in their seats got up and pinned this guy against the wall until the police came. And the police said, you know, we're happy to see people intervene, we just don't really get hurt. And I'm like, no, let's not tell people they shouldn't intervene. It's time for humanity to stand up for each other, mm-hmm. first of all. So I just wanted to throw that in because, you know, that's the upside of the, the negative side. As for the suffering, you know, it's a fine gray line where you can operate as a healer, spiritual guide, teacher, etc. And observe and assist without getting dragged into despair. It's, it's, I'm an extremely empathic person. Like I was telling you about in the beginning with the psychic pain. Mm-hmm. So, if I see somebody in pain, I feel it in my body. If I see somebody put a needle in their arm, I feel a needle going into my arm. It's a mm-hmm. terrible gift. That's how I always say to people, be careful what you ask for because it's, it's painful. Mm-hmm. And some people have said to me, why don't, can't you just turn it off? I go, no, I can't because if I'm serving as a healer, I need to know where that pain is. So, in the days when I was doing crystal he- psychic crystal healing, I, just by scanning somebody I would know where you know an, where the pain was or you know like somebody had chronic pain in his shoulder but I never wanted anyone to tell me because I was doing this work psychically so I'd feel the ice in the arm and then I'd get a psychic vision of, of a sword going in in another lifetime. So I needed that skill because it served me in a big way as a psychic healer but there's a point where, Especially with children, especially with animals, I can almost not take it anymore, the suffering. So I have to, many times in my life, step back. Like I, I, I volunteered in an animal shelter, I just couldn't do it. I was in a state of despair all the time. And these little animals, you know, up against the wall, not even wanting to look at humans, I just couldn't bear the pain, the emotional duress of it. And, you know, I, I couldn't take all these animals home with me. And so, you know there's just so much pain on this planet and it really is if you're serving as a healer or whatever category of work you do it for spirit you have to make a a contract with yourself what you're able to do and how much you're able to involve yourself without getting pulled into the the despair And it is a constant tight walk, constant. And so right now, for example, I mean, I I think you'll agree, of course, you are much younger than I am. But as you go through your life, your spiritual life, you go through many phases. And right now, I'm in a phase of warrior. (laughs) I am tired of the human race being abused. And I've got mach- my, my sword is up, and I'm in my power. And it's a different energy than before, which was much more receptive, much more of uh, being an intermediary between source and, let's say, a client that I was assisting. Now I'm in the front line, and it's a real commitment. And it requires having armor on and being uh, fully empowered.
0: Very, very empowered. Yeah. Especially to not give into any form of fear frequency that I know that's definitely just a part of the process you have to go through. You just have to dig into that warrior more. And I love that you bring that up. I have characters that I refer to myself as just because I sway in and out of so many ones, but there are two that really stuck with me that definitely they're like my warriors and my protectors. And one is Medusa and just understanding that um, if I were in Medusa's shoes and had happened what happened to me, I would want to tell the truth and I would want someone to tell the truth for me before I got out of this cave. So I have my Medusa mindset where I'm like, I'm gonna tell the truth and my truth is uncomfortable for others. And I don't give a shit because I'm tired of keeping my mouth shut for other people. Because of their feelings. I'm so fucking over it. It's ridiculous. And then I have another where, when you think of like serving humanity and hey, humans, knock your egotistical shit off, you know, knock the just create good karma. We need karma to continue everything. Um, but the collie in me raged one day during a healing session I had. And um, I, said i still really struggle with um keeping everything in line all the time because i feel like i just have a pit of lava in my root chakra i'm just so pissed at everything that's going on right now and it's not like i operated from that but i felt that that was a deterrent in me doing the work that i wanted to do and, um, I said, I feel like Kali and I'm standing here and I have the ego of man wrapped around my neck. And I'm like, you know, I have the sever head. And if you don't do your research on that picture, everyone's like, Oh, it's demonic and awful. But the head is the ego of man. And she's sick of the ego of man pushing the human consciousness further away from source. Like it's okay. It's time for all of you to wake up and work together because you're all the same thing. We're all the same thing. It doesn't matter what you believe. We all come from the same place. You guys, are, you're being infiltrated. You're being taken over. You're ignorant. You're sheep. You're being stupid. And I've always had um, kind of more of an aggressive tone if I were even going to comment at someone about like, Who they are, so to speak. Even before, like, I definitely think I had more dark empathic tendencies um, before my healing journey. My healing journey afterwards, I understand a lot of the things I went through. Um, Like you, I don't blame. I'm just like, oh, you got to go through it so you can kind of help others through it. Direct experience is our best teacher. One of the best things that I say. But Kali and Medusa are, are like my warrior terms because I'm just like, I'm done with this shit and I'm not gonna sit here and be a bystander anymore. And I still have people in my life that they're like, what do we do? <laughs> you know, and I'm like, be a nice person, make eye contact, smile at strangers, pick up the trash on the ground, quit being a bitch, okay? If you're gonna be a bitch, mean it and make it worth something for humanity. not I didn't ha- I didn't <laughs> heal my inner child issues, okay, or my mommy issues. like that's not what we're here for. And I do love, I think I want to go back and pull this apart how you're like, um for anybody that's still in like fairy tale land and like wants to talk about unicorns and stuff. Um, what I took that as is there was a video I watched where ladies like, I think it's really great that you have found that you can talk to your life guide and your spirit guides and extraterrestrials she goes you didn't come here to just sit here on earth and just talk to voices in your head okay stand up rise with us we need you to fight you actually incarnated here to fight did you know that did you know you have to leave your house Did you know you have to do all of this stuff? Like, you don't get to sit here and do willy-nilly love and light. We need you to step up with us.
1: And obviously that should have been more of you too. That's a very important point. And it's just that um, that consciousness is very self-involved. It's like I'm channeling, I'm, you know, my... Spirit guides this, and, and, you know, it's kind of like a yesterday type of energy from, I mean, I, I've been around a long time doing the spirit work, and it was wonderful discovering ourselves, and I think that there's a lot of people that are still in that stage of discovery, so it's new, but for people that have been through it for so long, it's like, could you kind of speed it up here, because we don't have time for you to be fantasizing about, uh, like you said, voices in your head, whether they're in your head or whether you're channeling them i'm not one to make that determination but we it's time to turn your energy out to the greater good because this planet is at war and people don't want to hear it but it's it's in your face i mean the g 20 meeting two days ago paul schwab stood up bill gates they are not politicians hello So now it's the G-22 because they have self-appointed themselves leaders of the entire political class. And they got, and Schwab got up and he gave a speech about the way things are going to go down. And they're dark. So it's great that you're making, you know, scented candles, but hello. You better figure out that if you are truly a member of the Light Brigade's, it is time for you to shake yourself up and say, oh, I actually have to put myself out there a little bit. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the, the self-enggrandizement that comes with, I mean, there, there were periods in all of our lives when it's like, oh, I knew that. Uh, oh, I knew that was going to happen. Ooh, the phone!" You know, discovering your gifts is, is cool. Mm-hmm. And talking about them is fun. But it's time to get moved beyond the toys, the tarot and the, you know, the, the toys, I call them, that we work with. Yeah, it's I time to move. And I mean, I've put out a tarot deck. I love the tarot. But my point being, we're entering into another level now, mm-hmm. whether people want to notice it or not. And it's time to turn your energy out instead of self-aggrandizement of all your gifts. And if that means, uh, like you said, Helping someone on the street, you, you know, being a lighthouse, I always tell people this, if you don't want to be on the front lines, for God's sakes, be a lighthouse, stand for that.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Shine, when you enter the room, you want people to go, whoa, you know, and we're, it, it also feels like it's trying to move beyond, you know, my boyfriend, I don't, I don't I, I'm not loved, the emphasis 20 years ago was how do I improve my, how do I find my soulmate? How do I improve my love life? It's like we've moved into a time now where people are recognizing that this is an existential crisis on the entire planet. And that these desires are bigger. The self, the the need of the individual, the need to be loved, to find your soulmate or whatever, is now the need to save the planet, Mm -hmm. to assist humanity, And some people understand it and some people don't, but they will because the, uh, getting over, getting overwhelmed here, the, the information that we're getting about starvation and the destruction of the food supply, it's methodical and it's every day, it's worse, worse, worse. They're turning the screws. Now there's the, there's going to be the strike on the trains. They keep blowing up the food supplies. The money's crashing and people are still talking about meeting their soulmate. Maybe it's time you started to look at the the outer world, reality, which is why I wrote that book. You asked me why? Look at the demon. Look at the devil. You can stare it in the face. And when you do that, which is what I do in the book and what I do in my life, when you stare the demon in the face, it shrinks because it feeds on your fear so when you look at it, it's okay. And I think I said in the book, show me what you got. In fact, I did because somebody said to me, Patricia, isn't that just you know poking the bear a little bit? Damn straight. Let me poke that bear. You know, this man. Come on, let's see what you got. Because the only way that we're going to disarm it is to look at it in the face and let it understand this dark force that we are not afraid. We are not going to give it our leash. It is not going to suck my adrenal energy out of my being, it cannot enter this space because I, Patricia Corey, am a sovereign being. Period. I say that and I get goosebumps from my feet to my
0: Mm. ground. Yeah, no, you gave me goosebumps over here and I love it. I mean, I definitely feel how in your power you are. I love how, you know, you have a very docile tone about you and then really when that warrior kicks in she's here and yeah I love it I can't wait to get further into the book I wish that I could have finished it all in the week that I had but that certainly wasn't on my list it's a big
1: book 360 pages
0: it is, and I mean, luckily, it's my language, so it's not like it's hard to digest where I have to put it down and, you know, really, like, integrate it. I've had a few books where I'm like, man, I can't wait to pick this back up in a few years and understand it a little better, but no, yours is um, right on key with all the things that I feel and know about DNA, DNA transfer, and how, you know, our, our secrets are locked in there, and, and it's been used against us. You know, Um, there's a study that I found can't quote it right now, but it was talking about how important it is for you to figure out what foods your DNA um, can work with, because certain foods can turn on um, ancestral links, good or bad in your DNA or it can turn on chronic diseases, good or bad in your DNA, based on food. So when you talk about not only the food supply being messed with as far as getting to us, but what's in it before it even gets to us, um, talk about crimes of humanity. We could sit here all day and talk about that, Um, but your book does a really, really good wrap-up of What I believe we are all truly fighting against, I think there's too many people out there just going, oh, when's World War III going to happen? Because, you know, that's when the nuclear bombs are going to come in and then we're all screwed. And I'm like, dude, World War III has been here. It's spiritual warfare. It's it's the war on fear. Are you scared right now? When you walk outside your house, like, are you scared that you might not be able to afford your groceries or your mortgage or your car payment? Are you scared that you won't be able to put your kids through college? Are you scared that you might not have a job? Are you scared? Because if you are, then they're winning and you're in the war. But guess what? You get to take your power back and join all of us over here that know exactly what's going on and we're a lot nicer over here, right? Like. I know you see a lot of warrior movies where they're still all mean to each other. We're all nice. We all want everyone to get along, and we believe in the unification, and we definitely believe in the source that we all come from. So come over here. Worry less. Okay, check your vibes. You know, no low vibes over here.
1: But in order to achieve that, a certain amount of things need to take place because it sounds good, but people don't just shift like that without input. Oh, no. One thing that needs to happen is that people need to step away from the television. I go into this in the book a lot. The television is designed. It has a flicker in it that is deliberately placed in it to put people into a trance state or what what they refer to as a submissive state within about four or five seconds of sitting down in front of the set. So people are 24 seven in front of the television. A lot of people have got their cell phones here and the TV there, right? So they're completely in an automatic, an an alternate reality that is not, sorry, my dog is activating over here, um, that's got them outside of interacting with uh, nature, animals, good food, cooking, loving their home, each other. It's just like this automatic world of programming. So in order for some of these people to come over and get out of the trance of what's creating the fear, they need to lose the tools that are holding them entranced. So number one, do your best, and I'm talking to the audience now, to, I personally haven't had television for 25 years. It took about a week to get used to not having the buzz going at night, Um, but it was so liberating. So number one, if you can get rid of television, do it. As far as your cell phone, this is, what I tell people is this is not your tool. It's theirs. It's their tool. And you're a tool to believe that it's your tool. So the phone is becoming so interactive that now we know that they can read our, I mean, they, they're going for, what do you call it? Recognition. Before long, you won't be able to get into your phone without eye recognition, facial recognition to just activate your phone. And then there's the suggestions that are coming in through the phone. And pretty soon you won't be able to get into the phone without being the obedient social credit system slave. So get rid of the phone. And you know what I do? I keep my phone outside the house in a metal box. I don't want the energy of it. I don't want the poison of it. I don't want the sound of it. And I have no addiction to it. It's really awesome. The only time I use it is when I need to transact something that requires me getting a code. Or when I'm in the car because, you know, I figure if something happens, I've got a way to get help. But other than that, I live without this freaking phone. Because I grew up without the phone. And I don't like it. I do not like seeing people walk down the street with a phone in front of their face and walk right into me. Because Mm -hmm. they're unconscious. So... There are things that people can do. They don't want to because it's much more convenient to keep the toys in your face. But they, if you want to become conscious and you want to become independent, you really, if you can't get rid of them completely, you need to say to yourself. Well, here's a way to test if I'm addicted. Let's try to, let's, let's just not have it. See how long I can cope without having my cell phone in my face. And sometimes people go, wow. I can't stand being around without my phone for five minutes. Well, then you're addicted and you need to do something about it. So these are some of the things that I think will help people to come around. It's like, where have I been? I've been in this haze, going to the television and all the nonsense programming and all of the programs that are in the programs and, um, liberating yourself from these things is requires intention And the intention is to take back your power and to take back your sovereignty. When I say that word, I go into altered states immediately. Oh, you
0: you feel it in your body. You're like, sovereignty. Yes. This is mine. I shall reclaim this. Well, I really appreciate you coming on today. Um, I usually have a notebook. I, I have a notebook where I write down stuff in, in front of me, but they're just things that you've said that just feel so good on my body when you say them, and they resonate with so many of the things that I, I too, believe. And um, I would say, what would you want to leave everybody with, but you already gave me your one and two and how to go about it, especially with protecting your energy field against all the things that are coming up to us. There's We could keep going on lists, foods, meditation, on and on and on and on, and on. Um, but for anybody that wants any more information on Patricia I will definitely link all of her stuff below hacking the God code the conspiracy to steal the human soul is her latest work but as she said she's not done they'll keep coming and I will keep listening um, you can also find you on YouTube as well you release weekly videos is that correct
1: uh, whenever the spirit moves me, but they can, ch- you know, you can go to my website to sign up for the uh, YouTube channel so that to become a subscriber, you I mean, sometimes I do three in a week and then other times I disappear. And I would like to invite people to please get this book if you want to really look at your own sense of empowerment and how to cope with what's going on. <clears throat> people are telling me it's got five stars on Amazon, and people are saying. I feel so empowered Mm -hmm. from reading this book and that's what my mission is to empower people so that's what I want to leave you with be empowered, be strong, know that no matter how dark things can look the light force is a power that will not be put out will not happen so come on board, get active and uh, let's move on with this arm again scenario so we can go into the golden age that we came here to live
0: yes absolutely i appreciate you and i appreciate your work and don't go anywhere yet because i have some great music to dance us out to or at least to flow out to i should say because i got something kind of dreamy today Vitality Exposed, you guys know who it is. Concert photography by Kelly Catastrophe. She's the one that sponsors the music for us. If you haven't been over to her page recently, she just did a iconic shoot for Motionless and White. So please head on over and give her some love. Today I've picked a song out from Like Saturn. It's also unlike Pluto's other project. It is called Forgetting Myself, which I wish you wouldn't because we need you to come on board. So enjoy these melodic trances and then dance your way into the next episode. I love you guys. Thank you again, Patricia.
1: Goodwill. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. This is the Hoosier Media Network, your home for podcasting.